Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we find out once and for all who would win, Der Struvel Peter or Cruel Frederick. <laughs> it's SST 127, the Cruel Frederick LP, The Birth of the Cruel. This is a really far out record and it's definitely got a a new vibe for the show. We haven't had a record like this at all, as far as I can tell. Probably the closest one would be Universal Congress of, and for good reason. Um, But I'm interested to talk to you about this record. You got any spiels for the people before we get cruel here? Yeah, I've got two, Ryan. I've got, I'll start with a podcast shout out this week. No Dogs in Space is the name of the show. Marcus Parks and Carolina Hidalgo are the hosts. Have you ever heard it? Nope. Okay, so they're taking a deep dive into 10 bands that help define punk rock as a genre. And these episodes Hmm. are like, on average, an hour and a half to two and a half hours each. So they're pretty long episodes. They they started with the Stooges, did a four-parter on that. Then my favorite so far is the Suicide one. Okay. Then they did The Damned, one of my favorite bands. Yep. And they just finished a four-parter on The Ramones. Wow. What? Do you, but what do you mean a four-parter? Like four two-hour episodes? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. Check it out. No Dogs in Space. It's it's really good. What are the other... Like, do, do we know what the other seven bands are? Uh, they've mentioned a few, like the Sex Pistols, for sure. Okay, so they're doing the biggies. Yeah. Interesting that Suicide made the cut. I mean, most people, I would suspect, would not put them in the top ten. Yeah, Marcus is a big fan, so... Oh, well, good on them. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, last night I finally watched the documentary The Public Image is Rotten. Where Where can you get it? So I bought it digitally. You can... Rent it to stream. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, and honestly, it was worth buying. For like, yeah. it's twice the price, but I'll definitely be watching again. It's great. John Lydon is amazing throughout it. I was a little worried he was going to do his whole jaded asshole routine, but he's actually pretty candid in the interviews. Great archival footage of the band. Almost everyone is interviewed extensively. The one criticism I would say is Keith Levine is in it for about 10 seconds right at the beginning in an interview setting, a new interview setting, like a talking headshot, and then yeah. you never see him again. Whoa. So I don't know what happened there. It's really too bad. But yeah, overall, it's awesome. Okay. Are they, are they ever going to put out a physical copy of that? I think so. Or just they don't have it out yet, eh? Not yet. Okay, that's too bad. That's it for me, man. What do you have? I've got one micro spiel, and it's another recommend for you. Okay. So I don't know whether you've listened to the It Men. I'm yet. saving them up. I'm saving them up for a spiel. Oh, you're gonna give me the last ten Ryan recommends? The Ryan recommend rundown or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember the name of my own segment anymore. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, here's another recommend for you. This is a new band for me, but uh, I'm really digging them. And I was listening to them again today. 
as I was out grocery shopping in uh, slightly less of a plague, but still plague out there, grocery shopping, listening to this on my headphones, and I went, Brant would like this too. So, Brant, let me ask you, do you like psych rock? Yes. Do you like doom? Yeah. Do you like stoner rock? Yeah, you know I do. Do you like do you like heaviness? Yes, very much so. Okay. Okay, so you've checked all of those boxes. Uh the new band that I I bought their record and it'll come in the mail eventually, you know, maybe in early 2021 or something like that. But I wanted to listen to something new as I was out this morning with my headphones on, ignoring people. And uh, this band, I really, really dug the record. It's a band called Slift. Have you ever heard of Slift, Brandt? No, never. So they're from France, Toulouse, France, in fact. And their new record, Amon, U-M-M-O-N. Slift, 2LP, Amon. You need to check that out and uh, report back on the Ryan Recommend Rundown because I'm interested. I think that that will be another one that you will dig. Do they sing en français? Negative. Okay. There, there are they. They do have some French, uh, spoke like vocals, but minimal, minimal, and not not really on this record, as far as I could tell. Some of the vocals are really, really psyched out, like heavy heavy effects on them like leslie speaker echo effect i mean it could be en francais for all i can tell but um i don't think so slift i'm on it slift man do it that's all i got just one little micro uh spiel recommend for you i was that's a heavy hitter so i thought it would be enough all right do you have a pun prepared for me for this record yeah yeah, do you want to get into that damned music? <laughs> History lesson, part one. All right, Brant, it's Cruel Frederick. The first time we're getting into one of their LPs, but we've mentioned them before, right? Yeah. Full disclaimer, Ryan, I'd never heard this record before this week. Me either, to be completely honest. Like, uh, you know, there, there's about, you know, probably a good... I don't know. I'll 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 be really like conservative here. Probably a good ten to twenty percent of records that I've never listened before the podcast. And this is the excuse, but this is an interesting record. And it's funny how it ties into the treacherous jaywalkers too, right? Yeah, for sure. So I got some good stuff from our friend Jason Kahn. Yes, who played drums on this, and also some stuff from our pal Devin Sarno, who has connections to Cruel Frederick. So I'm going to start with this Cruel Frederick bio, their SST bio that I got from Devin Sarno. Nice. Cruel Frederick emerged as a cohesive project from weekly rampage improvisation sessions at Lynn Johnston's house in El Segundo, California. Every Monday, Anywhere from two to six people crowded into Lynn's living room and competed with the landing jets at Los Angeles International Airport for airspace. In May of 1987, two of these sessions' most stalwart noisemakers, Guy Bennett and Jason Kahn, corralled Lynn into Vetus Matare's 
Venice studio and recorded over two hours of music. Two of these tracks, Moon River and Jukebox in the East River, appear on the album. Three months after this first session, Chicago Jake Cohn was coerced into abetting Lynn's Allulations and Cruel Frederick, now as a quartet, went back to Vetus's and finished The Birth of the Cruel. Individually, then, Cruel Frederick R. Lynn Johnston is from El Segundo, California. He studied music at Pomona College, where he was exposed to the compositions of Carl Cohn and Jean Carl, and to the improvisations of Bobby Bradford. He has performed and recorded with Slovenly, Motor Totemist Guild, Five U's, Steaming Coils, and Universal Congress of. He considers himself a bent pragmatist and willingly takes advice from coma mastermind Titus Levy. Jacob Cohn is a native of Chicago, Illinois. He has performed with saxman Jack Wright of Philadelphia, the Shake and Ray Levi Society of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and was, and was one of the original members of Chicago's Sobriety Unleashed. Guy Bennett, born 1960, currently lives in Gardenia, a suburb of Los Angeles. Jason Kahn also plays drums with Universal Congress of. Yeah, and Lynn and Jacob, they're reed instrument guys, right? Lynn plays a ton of different reed instruments. Jacob does the alto, and Guy does the bass and trombone, or the slush pump, as I like to call it. Yeah. Here's some stuff I got from Jason. goes a little bit deeper into into some of this. Lynn Johnson had been having these weekly improv sessions at his house for some time before I got involved. He's not sure how he met Lynn, maybe through Tim Plowman of Slovenly, who Jason was friends with at the time. We all gravitated to these weekly sessions at Lynn's, which I think were on Mondays. Lynn turned me on to a lot of great music and strong beer. Okay, and here's something I got from Devin Sarno. Remember, Devin was a friend, roadie, de facto manager of Universal Congress of. He had a radio show called Jazz Damage on KXLU-FM, where you can hear a lot of recordings of Universal Congress of on his SoundCloud page, which is UCO Boots. He also had a record label, Win Records, and was in the band Waldo the Dog-Faced Boy, which is an awesome band that has a bunch of stuff out on Win Records. He's done stuff with Nels Klein, and he also has a solo project called Crib. Here's what he said. It was a log- logical coupling of folks since everyone ran in the same circles. Lynn used to guest with UCO sometimes live, so there's the Lynn-Jason connection. Lynn also came from a band called Motor Totemist Guild in LA, which were arguably one of the first Avant-type bands on the scene. And he sent me a link to a website called rotarytotem.com, which is pretty cool. You can read up about that band. They have a really long history and actually quite a few albums too. So I definitely want to check that out, see uh, see what they're all about, because that's a really interesting description. He says, Lynn and Jason both had a love of Ornette, Eiler, and Free Jazz, and the project was a definite homage to that strain of jazz. Yeah, interesting that it's called Birth of the Cruel, which is obvious like a, a throwback or, sorry, like a reference, I suppose, to Miles's record, The Birth of the Cool, which is a pretty trad jazz album compared to this. Yeah. Like, a, even though that was a post-bebop type record with that non-et of his 
it was very, very traditional compared to this type of record. It's a awesome album title, though. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's from Devin. This is what he's told me about Guy Bennett, who plays bass guitar on this record and also trombone. trombone. Guy Bennett came from a band called Piano Moscow. So I looked them up on Discogs. They had one single on a label called Deco. Zero info on the band. Discogs has him listed as a Russian keyboard player, later playing at a band called Lodost. I think that's a different Guy Bennett. Lodost is a band from the Czech Republic, or they were. Guy plays trombone on Universal Congress of This Is Mechalotics, which is SST204, Slovenly We Shoot for the Moon, which is SST209, and the second Cruel Frederick LP, We Are the Music We Play, which is 290. Jason told me, I don't seem to remember Guy being Russian. He was actually a translator of Russian and French poetry, as well as being a poet himself. Okay, here's Jason on Jacob Cohn, who plays alto sax. Jacob played with UCO Live and on This Is Mechalotics and Prosperous and Qualified, which is SST 180. He's also on the yep. Slovenly We Shoot for the Moon album, but he is not on the second Cruel Frederick album. Devin told me Jacob was a friend of Biza's. So Joe Biza came to these jam sessions too, so maybe he brought Jacob along with him at some point. Jason Kahn, of course, uh, we interviewed for episode 109, and we talk about this record a little bit during that interview. He is all over the SST discography, and if you haven't heard that episode, you should definitely check out our interview with Jason. Lynn Johnston plays alto, tenor, baritone, sax, bass clarinet, regular clarinet. He played in Slovenly, who we've talked about on episode 67, Thinking of Empire, and episode 89, Repost with Tom Watson. So I'm sure we asked Tom about Lynn. I don't recall the specifics of that interview, but also, I saw today that that uh, Slovenly record repost is up on, popped up on Spotify, which is cool if anybody wants to hear it. Uh, Lynn released a great album called First We Feel on Devin's Win Records in the year 2000, which Devin was kind enough to send me a copy of, so thanks to Devin for that. The cover art on that was done by Raymond Pettibone, and there's illustrations in there by Joe Biza. He also played with the Chuck Dukowski Sextet on his 2006 album Eat My Life and also 2007's Reverse the Polarity. Jason told me the band did play live a couple of times on some double bills with Universal Congress of. It wasn't really a working group, he says. I don't think Lynn was ever comfortable playing in front of an audience. Touring would never have entered the equation as all the other group members were either working full-time jobs or studying. Guy was working on a PhD at that time. The name of the band, Ryan, much like Slovenly, which you referenced earlier, Slovenly Peter, uh, is based on a 19th century German story by a dude named Heinrich Hoffmann. Dude, dude, you gotta say Slovenly Peter in your German accent. <laughs> what is it? Der Schlamen Peter? Der Schlamen Peter? Yeah. Pretty good. There we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. this is the story of Wicked Frederick, hey? Yeah, that's it. That's what I got from those guys, so thanks to them for sending that stuff in. 
did we explain during the first slovenly episode though what that uh there's struman peter or whatever like what those stories were oh i think we went on at length about okay about slovenly <laughs> peter <laughs> did you look up the story of cruel frederick and what that one is about no i didn't so they these hoffman stories it's like a a uh, collection of poems or whatever they're cautionary gruesome you know tales to get people like get children to behave and i'm sure we we explained that you know to it's about children who like fidget at the table suck their thumbs they don't finish their f- soup and cruel frederick or the story of wicked frederick as it was translated i guess is about a violent boy who terrorizes animals and people and he eventually gets bitten by a dog is bedridden while the dog eats all his food. So there, he learned his lesson, I guess. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, slovenly Peter, like, pulls your fingernails out or something insane like that if you fidget at the table. Like, it's gruesome shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But they were, uh, yeah, it's from, like, 1845, but it was translated into English a couple of times, and you can still, you can actually buy it right now wild stuff but that's where that's why it's like you know cruel frederick is one of the tales within this tome of gruesome children's limericks and shit like that yeah wild you want to do the tracks yeah man history lesson part two okay so this came out on lp cd and cassette i like how they did this with the first with the original three originals first i thought that was cool Track one, side one, Jukebox in the East River. Kind of mostly sax, I think, on this one. It's kind of a cool, oh, weird, and a bit unsettling opener. Some deaf, like some dissonant scronking going on, for sure. Yeah, the name of the song. So Albert Eiler, who they cover on this record, disappeared on November 5th, 1970, and he was found dead in New York City's East River on no- November 25th a presumed suicide for some time afterwards, though a rumor circulated that he had been murdered uh, with a long-standing urban legend that the mafia had tied him to a jukebox. So that's where this title comes from. Ah, yes. Okay, then our second original is called White Logic. Probably my fave of the three originals. Yeah, I love the bass playing on this one. Yeah. And then the third track, That Damned Music, which is probably the closest to free jazz on the record. Yeah, I, I was like, I bet you a lot of people, when they heard this, they thought That Damned Racket, for yeah. sure. It's de- Yeah, it's it's definitely like, it's the one that's the most random, for sure. Okay, then Moon River, which is a cover written by Henry Mancini originally, performed by Audrey Hepburn in the 1961 movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. It won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, and it also won a Grammy for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Yeah, when I was looking that up too, I was like, man, who cares if anyone wins an Academy Award or a Grammy for music anymore? Who cares? Yeah, I don't think anybody. Wow. It's just so insignificant now. I mean, I'm, I know that there's a big, like, you know, there's a, a money machine behind it and, like, Clive Davis and all that kind of crap, but who cares, man? Yeah. Well, they kind of lost 
a lot of, if they ever had any, when they started like trying to recognize some influential artists, like Motorhead won a Grammy for like a Metallica cover on a tribute album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or when like Jethro Tull won for best heavy metal album over Metallica. Yeah. Shit like that. Give me a break. Okay. Then track five, the East is red. This is a Chinese revolutionary song that was the de facto national anthem of the People's Republic of China during the Cultural Revolution in the 1960s. Yeah, when I heard this song, I was like, man, that sounds familiar. And then when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh, this song is in a ton of like Kung Fu movies. When oh, is I it? <laughs> oh, Yeah. Like as a as just kind of a a theme, it definitely has a um, there there were, I, I mean I I would struggle to name any of them, but um, any type of kind of kung fu movie, and it was playing some very tradition at that at the time in you know in the eighties or nineties whatever some traditional sounding type of um, theme music they would definitely reference this. Uh, these passages because it's very memorable anyways i like this one yeah it's good i had a really hard time writing about these songs though maybe i just don't know enough about jazz to be able to explain it no i don't think that's it um i mean well i don't know i mean we should we should just come out right out and say it i mean i think this record is characterized properly as free jazz but Within free jazz, there's a lot of debate too, and a lot of people would say, "Well, you know, some of this stuff is maybe more avant-garde." Um, I was reading up on Albert Eiler. I I read a book, well, not maybe not a book about him. Um, maybe it was actually an Ornette Coleman book I read along because I did read one on Ornette. Um, but there is like debate on whether Albert Eiler is really free jazz or whether he's something else. Like some of it is just so undefinable. You know, when you listen to the early Ornette records, they sound pretty straight ahead until well, his later. St- yeah, that's the thing. And I think Albert Eiler's the same. They kind of went in and out of it. Yeah, for know, sure. Depending on the album. Yeah. And some of it was to prove that they could actually play because some people thought they couldn't because they were just making noise. And I prefer it. If I'm going to listen to a jazz record, if there's going to be some free jazz elements, I'm down. But an entire album of it is a tough slog for me sometimes. Agreed. It was actually kind of, um, it was nice for these tracks to have some familiar passages and then kind of bust out now and then. Yeah. That was that was pretty good. That's my preference. Okay, we flip it over and we're going to get into some of this stuff. The first track on side two is one of my favorites on the record, Lonely Woman which was written by Ornette Coleman. Ornette was, of course, a jazz saxophonist, a violinist, and a trumpet player, one of the founders of free jazz, and is credited with coining the term free jazz for his 1961 album, Free Jazz, a Collection of Improvisation. Lonely Woman is one of his best-known songs. It's the opening track on his 1959 album, The Shape of Jazz to Come, which, as you mentioned, Ryan, Charlie Hayden played bass on josh's dad yep sweet and that's a great album and 
you know, it's one of those albums too that has some free jazz elements. But, you know, if anybody's listening to this podcast and doesn't listen to jazz and want, wants to check it out, like that would, I would say would be a good a place as any to start that album. With free jazz? Just in general. Oh, and jazz in general. Yeah, I mean, everyone has heard Kind of Blue and A Love Supreme and all that kind of stuff. and Or um, Take Five. Yeah. The Shape of Jazz to Come is an insanely amazing record that, like those ones, well, actually, I'm not a big Brubeck fan, but uh, like like anything by Miles or Coltrane, uh, much of Ornette's stuff, it never gets old. And, you know, we're talking 50, 60 years later here. Yeah. I just mean people that dig SST stuff and want to want to know what like these guys were into. Like so many SST people like Watt or Rollins and Ginn and all those guys were big fans of Ornette Coleman for sure. Oh yeah. Biza. Yep. Okay, track two, Amazing Grace. This is the traditional hymn, Amazing Grace, with some improv thrown in. Yeah, it really reminded me of like a New Orleans jazz funeral march, almost. The way that they did this up before it breaks into just insanity. Yeah. It kind of has that warbling, like a really kind of uh, almost like a crying sound, the way that they're working the horns. And then it just gets crazy. But it reminds me of like a New Orleans jazz march, funeral march. Then we get into the two Albert Eiler tracks, the first one of which is Ghosts, the longest track on the album at seven and a half minutes. This is also one of Albert's more famous tracks. It's on a few albums. 1968's Impulse album Love Cry. The version on there is two and a half minutes long. The song actually first appeared in a five and a half minute version, which is way wilder. And it's called Ghost First Variation on 1964's Spiritual Unity, which is considered a free free jazz recording yep. by Albert. And Ryan, I'm wondering if you've ever seen this. I doubt you have because apparently it's never come out on DVD, but there's a documentary about Albert Eiler. No. Yeah, it's called My Name is Albert Eiler, I think. I couldn't find it even for streaming anywhere. No, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. And then we end the album with another Albert Eiler cover, Bells, which is a slower version compared to Albert's, which is also on the Love Cry album. That's it. That's the album. Yeah, I'm, you know, I love me some jazz. I was actually listening to one of your recommends today. In fact, I was listening to uh, a Bushman's Revenge album oh, yeah. called Bushman's Fire. And it's got um, that uh, Sharak song as we used to sing on it. And I mean, I, I listened to a fair amount. We've talked about a lot of jazz on the show too. Free jazz. I dip my toe in once in a while, just, just to like kind of shake out the cobwebs or maybe have a quick mind blow, but it's not something that I can like, I can, you know, have a steady diet of free jazz. Just can't do it. I, I can, I can appreciate it. It's a nice, like a palate cleanser from time to time, but um, I can't be that crazy all the time. I just can't be. Yeah, same for me. Okay, the cover art uh, is by Guy Bennett, layout by Jason Kahn. Here's what I got from Jason. 
He says, I had a job at a cheesy print shop in West Hollywood doing pre-press work and typesetting. Guy was interested in collages and put one together for the cover. I didn't do much layout work for the album other than shooting a negative and setting the type. So it's a collage. Really not much to it. Did you get info on like the meaning behind it? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's it's got like a, a dashed triangle that goes in between two dudes sitting on a chair. Looks like they have almost like halos or something above their heads. And then the middle figure, it looks like a big old-fashioned two-man tree saw with a spine and then like a lotus flower on top. And then beneath it is some almost like the uh, like a little uh, cartoon boy on top of a, a sprocket gear. And I couldn't the best I could come up with is that it was like the father, son, holy ghost because of the triangle there. But I think that has absolutely zero relation to the picture or any of the music. Well, your analysis is as good is better than anything I had. There's an interesting thank you list on the back. Oh, we should talk about the recording. It's a really good recording by Vetus, for sure. Yeah, done at Lyceum Sound Recorders. Hit me with that thank you list, Ryan. I'm assuming these are all people that came to the jam sessions, maybe. Yeah, well, it says Partners in Cruel here. There's Biza, a guy named Titus Levi, and then it says in parentheses, Coma, all in caps. Tim Plowman, our man Devin Sarno, and then it says all songs unless indicated otherwise by Cruel Frederick, and of course, by all songs, it's three of the nine. Yeah, <laughs> Tim Plowman, of course, is in slovenly. Yeah, what do you think, man? Battle result? Yeah, I guess so. Hey, I don't have uh, I don't have this on wax, so I don't know whether there's any any uh, runout grooves or anything like that. Did you source that out? Yeah, I have them right here. Side A. Woo. Do it. Angels sing. Side B. Saints go marching in. Aha. Uh -huh. Yep. The saints go marching in. That, to me, might support my thinking on Amazing Grace as being a funeral dirge. Maybe. 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 And what the, was the first one? Angels sing. Angels sing. There you go. You know what I think might support of, your cover your cover art theory too, for that matter. Yeah, my my head immediately goes to the no means no song though when I hear that. For sure. Yeah. All right. Now I have to listen. To no means no again today. Done deal. All right. Ballot result. Ballot result. What do you think, Brent? I like Lonely Woman, but I love that song, and I like their version of it. Yeah. You? I like it too. I got to tell you, I was humming The East is Red in my head for a lot of time this week because yeah. it's so catchy and it reminded me of uh, renting cheap VHS tapes way back when. But um, I'll go with Lonely Woman because it's, uh, I agree, it's a good version and a good shout out to Ornette and a good tie back to uh, Josh from last week. Yeah, people might hear it on our non-existent comp tape and check out Ornette Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All Why right. not? 
it's a cool record, man. It's fun. It was a yeah. fun listen this week. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next one. I mean, it's too bad it's like 160 episodes away or something like that. I'm not going to be a frequent listener of this one, to be completely honest. But uh, I'm wondering, Ryan, if that one is leftovers from this one a little bit because it says in the bio th- that they recorded two hours worth of music. So Yeah, I got to think so, right? Yeah. We'll find out when we get there, though. Well, hey, thanks again to Jason Kahn and Devin Sarno. Devin sent me some cool some cool stuff for the Instagram, too, from Cruel Frederick. So thanks to those guys. Nice. Ryan, what's next week? Next week, we start off our Elliot Sharp double whammy. It's SST-128, the Elliot Sharp LP in the land of the Yahoos. Yeah. And we've got a special guest. Yeah. Elliot Sharp's on the podcast. Wow, man. That's insane. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.